Thank you, uh, worship team. Encouraging words. I uh, wanted to tell you also that in the second service today, uh, we're going to have a baptism at the beginning of the service uh, where there's going to be six people being baptized. Uh, some of the kids from our middle school group, uh, a couple from our high school group, and then a father as well. And so uh, if you want to come and stay for that, uh, we won't we won't charge you double or anything. Uh, uh, we should, but we won't. We won't today because uh, it's Father's Day, a special Father's Day sale, you know, dads and grads, you know. Uh, uh, so it's Father's Day. I, I don't have a particular Father's Day message. We're going to continue on the book of Ecclesiastes. But as in all things, as in all things, the word of God uh, is applicable for us right now, whatever's going on for fathers uh, who are trying to figure it out, for mothers who uh, may be feeling overwhelmed, uh, for grandparents who are uh, trying to worry themselves to death about uh, their grandkids and concern for the generations that follow. Uh, for all of us, wherever we're at, uh, today God's Word has a special blessing for us. And in light of Father's Day, uh, it's a message on wisdom, uh, chasing after wisdom. In the uh, book of James, uh, J- James shares with us that there's wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below. And uh, I want to, even as I was walking around in the church this morning, I was thinking about really as we look at this passage, uh, this is not talking about uh, all the goodness of God's wisdom that comes from above. It's talking about really the best we can do down here. Um, and there's limits to that. And yet, uh, as we look at wisdom this morning, uh, we realize that there's usually a wise way to do things and a foolish way, even as Proverbs talks about and Ecclesiastes speaks in a very similar way about these things. Uh, we are in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Uh, and if, uh, if you can or will, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Um, Starting in verse, uh, starting in verse fifteen, God's word says this: "In in my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself?" Be not overly wicked, neither uh, neither be a fool. Uh, why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength uh, to the wise men, more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take heart in all all the the things that people say, lest lest you hear your servant cursing you. Uh, Your heart knows that at many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it is far from me. That which is uh, far off and deep, very deep, who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom. 
and the scheme of things. And to know the wickedness of of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. the, The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher. While adding one thing to another to find out the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all of these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright. They have sought out many schemes. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, We ask that you would help us to uh, understand it well and that you would apply it to our hearts, our lives right now, to change us, to form us into that which you desire, that which we need to be. Uh, God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We start out at the limits of wisdom. And I want to tell you that as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, I don't know if you've been feeling this, if you've been with us, uh, there's a certain frustration that happens when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, especially for those who like life to be nice and tidy, uh, especially for those who like uh, to not philosophize, but to just come to a conclusion and answer the right answer and move on. Uh, there's a certain frustration about the book of Ecclesiastes, and not just the book of Ecclesiastes, but life as well, right? Life gets complicated quickly, um, and life isn't e- easy or simple as we would think that it would be. He starts off in verse 15, and he says, In my vain life I have seen everything. I, I believe that uh, if Pastor Mike were here and he were... Uh, writing the scripture, um, maybe God would use him in that day and that time, Pastor Mike Lohr in Louisville, he would say, in my pathetic like life, I have seen everything. Uh, there's this sense of, uh, he comes back to this word of vanity or vain, and that word is the idea of meaningless or fleeting or not worth it. Um, most of us don't like to say that. Uh, we don't like to say that our, our life is vain, that our life uh, seems meaningless, that there's an emptiness uh, to what life is. That we, and, and it's especially hard to do when you're older, right? Um, I, I think uh, I was talking to some of the kids uh, this morning, those who have just graduated and those who are on summer break. And uh, they're, you know, they're trying to accomplish great things like get up in the morning, you know, yeah, they put on their to-do list, eat breakfast. It's hard to. Eat. It's probably more brunch, right? You know, it's probably more brunch. But but like when you're young, when you're young and uh, you don't have much on your plate or you, you don't feel like there's much going on, if someone says you did nothing today and you go, yeah, I know, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but when you're older, the sense of uh, that your life in those years that it's still your vain life. It's harder to take. And yet, even as the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, he he claims to be older, to have seen much. 
and really, in this passage, to have seen everything, to have seen it all. And still his life was vain. Still his life was fleeting. Still his life had a sense of meaninglessness to it. And that's part of that frustrating uh, part of reading the book of Ecclesiastes. It sometimes leaves us empty. And so he goes on and he wants to share some of his frustration with us. And some of the things that are hard for him to take. He, he goes on after he speaks of his vain life, verse 15, and he says, There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Um, I don't know if the, pers- the first person who said this uh, was reading the book of Ecclesiastes and he, he looked upon life and he says, the good die young, the good die young. And it shouldn't be that way. Uh, we look, uh, we, each of us can point to someone that we knew that we felt like was a beautiful, God-honoring person, that we we felt like their life was uh, taken from them before uh, anyone was ready around them. And we think, well, uh, it just doesn't seem right. And sometimes we even question God, well, why? Why? If they were following after you, if they were doing what was right with their life, shouldn't their life go on and on and on? And he says, you know, the good die young. The idea of a righteous person, that's a person who's doing right or trying to do right or or thinking through what is the right thing to do and not the wrong thing, um, it seems like their life would go on and on. And then put right next to it, the ones that we know have shook an angry fist at God their whole life. And their years continue to go on and on and on. Their wickedness continues because of the days they have to accomplish it. And you say, this doesn't seem right. And I think that this is one of the most common frustrations of life, that we think in our mind that the score uh, should reflect how long someone's life is, right? That the character of their life should uh, go to the years of their life. And somehow that should all come together. The writer says there, it's not true that the good do die young. And there are some that are wicked, that they prolong their life in evil doing. There's limits to wisdom. It's hard to get, uh, get our mind around this. He goes on and he tries to put together this idea of not, not being too much, not being too too much of anything. In verse 16, he says, so be not overly righteous. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Don't, don't try to be too righteous. Don't try to be too righteous. I'm going to come back to this. Don't think too much about this yet. Uh, and, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Verse 17, be not overly wicked, uh, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this and from uh, from that withhold not your hand. This picture here is this, that he's trying to apply this idea of being righteous or being a fool or the wicked. And he says, well, um, how should I march on these orders under the sun again? Remember, this isn't a uh, based on a relationship with God. This is just the best that we can do down here is 
don't be overly righteous. Uh, the idea here is uh, don't slip into perfectionism. Don't slip into the idea that you are always going to do the right thing and that you can be a perfect person. This is not, once again, this is not based on your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord, we obey Him, right? Uh, we are people that uh, come to a, a fork in the road and we have to ask the question, God, what do you want? How, how do you want me to take this? But this is down here. There's an emptiness to being right. There's an emptiness uh, to uh, always having everything perfect. There's an emptiness to that. Without the Lord, it won't be satisfactory. In fact, it'll be exhausting without the Lord. He says, uh, you know, don't think you always have to have the right answer. Don't always have to be the wisest guy in the room. Why should you destroy yourself? What, what is the destruction that comes from that? Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Um, this idea, that this fearing that you're going to get something wrong. This fearing that you're not going to be the smartest person. In fact, when we uh, struggle with this, we do weird things, right? We change the subject when we don't know the answer. Uh, we, we shy away from people when we feel like maybe I won't, maybe I'll look dumb. Uh, he says, uh, don't be overly righteous. Don't be too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? But then he also talks about the wicked. Be not overly wicked, neither be the fool. Why should you die before your time? What's the connection there? Um, hey, uh, I, have this, uh, I have this fun thing I like to do. It's like I like to run away from trains. I like to do run away from trains. I go on the tracks. And I lay down, and then when I hear them coming, they're almost there. I try to get up, and I run. It's super fun. It's super fun. No, it's super foolish. It's super foolish. And when we do foolish things, guess what happens? Eventually, our, our life ends. I think I shared with you uh, months ago when we were in the book of Ecclesiastes that I, I saw a, a story where a, a man uh, wanted to take daredevil pictures and where he was hanging on the top of skyscrapers. And he had all these photos. He had this blog, this following. And he was in this amazing skyscraper somewhere in Asia. And he was taking a picture. And he was hanging from one hand, and his hand slipped, and he fell to his death. Uh, this foolishness played out, right? Uh, that if we live a life of foolishness, our death will come as a result of our foolish decisions. And so he says, uh, be not overly righteous. Don't make yourself too wise, but be careful to think that life doesn't matter. Be not overly wicked, uh, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? And then he, he describes in verse 18, he says, it is good that you should take hold of this from, uh, and from that uh, withhold not your hand, this idea of trying to get your head around where you should be and what God Really, just how it fits in this life, not even what God wants. Uh, that's a, a next step. He goes on in verse 18 uh, to give one of the great themes, both of Ecclesiastes, but also of Proverbs. But also of Proverbs. Um, it's the basis for us to live life. Um, he says this, he says, For the one who fears God uh, shall come out of both of them. For the one who fears God shall come up with both of them. He's talking about 
uh, one or the other. He's talking about wisdom or foolishness. He's talking about uh, doing this or doing that. And, and what is the secret uh, to you knowing what to do and to living life that will be good for you? It's fearing God. It's fearing God. I want to tell you that one of the, out of all the philosophy and all the deep thoughts of the book of Ecclesiastes, he brings it down to one of the most simple things. Fear God. Most of the time we make decisions like this. We say, well, um, I have a decision before me. And uh, we say, well, well, what's the right way or the wrong way? And then it doesn't stop there, right? Well, what will so-and-so think of me if I do the right thing? Or what will they think of me if I do the wrong thing? What, what does everyone else do? Well, everyone else does this or that, and, and it seems like this. But what will people think of me if I do this? And what will my mom think of me? It's interesting. Uh, some of us, even as our, our family members have gone, uh, they, they have gone, they have died and gone to heaven, we sometimes still think about what they're going to think of us. I want to tell you, uh, that, that may have been helpful when you were five, uh, to hold you before you had relationship with the Lord. But I want to tell you as adults, what should hold us in place is not the fear of our mom, not the fear of uh, our friends and the peers or whatever. What should hold us is a fear of God, is asking the question, what does God think of what I'm doing right now? Does this bring shame or honor to his name? Is this what he desires for me? It makes life real simple when we bring it down to the one who loves us most. Fear God. Um, I don't want to tell you this because I want you to come back in the weeks ahead. This is the conclusion to the book of Ecclesiastes as well. Fear God. Fear God. He goes on to speak more of the limits of wisdom. He, he's talked about good dying young. He's talked about this too much. He's talked about fearing God. In verse... 19, he says this, wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than 10 rulers who are in a city. That the, the seeking of wisdom, the, the important thing for us, though there's a limit to wisdom, there's also a strength to wisdom. There's a strength to wisdom. And for you and for me to remember that our seeking of wisdom, of knowing the best thing to do, is good for us. It's good for us. To seek those things out. And there will be a prophet. In fact, uh, tenfold. He says that you'll be greater than ten rulers of a city. Uh, if we live a wise life. That wisdom is superior. Along with that, in verse 20. He says there's no righteous man. Uh, surely there is not a righteous man on earth. Who does good and never sins. Uh, that brings us really to the gospel in Romans. Right? It goes back to the idea of the gospel. Uh, it, it's, it's always funny to me. Uh, one of our favorite things to say in our culture right now is, well, well, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. And when that comes out of your mouth, remember this. Remember this. No one thought you were perfect anyways. Okay? The only, the only one you're informing about that is yourself because you forgot about it, right? Well, no one's perfect. We, we weren't confused at all, you know, uh, especially your siblings and your parents, right? They knew, right? Um, it's tough being a pastor, right? Because you have a wife and kids. They know. 
Uh, they know who you are. And, and this, this verse, in the midst of uh, talking about the limitations of wisdom, gives us this important, important truth. It's so important for us to remember that there is no one righteous. There's no one righteous. Um, this is really frustrating for those who think they're righteous, think that they can do it all. The, the ones who think that uh, straight A's are, you know, that's what they're doing in life right now, is we're never failing. Uh, we're sinless perfection. God's word tells us different. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. That makes us all sinners. Verse 21, he brings another uh, confusing and frustrating and very practical thing. Verse 21, he says, do not take to heart all the, uh, all the things that people say. Don't listen to people all the time. And you say, well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> that's kind of rude. I shouldn't listen to what people say. Uh, it's interesting, uh, uh, the positive or the minus, right? Uh, Positive or the negative, uh, you shouldn't listen. But in this passage, it's talking about uh, that which is not uh, necessarily flattering. He says, lest you hear your servant cursing you. And connected with that verse 22, your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. And you look at this and you go, uh, why? why is he putting this in here? And, and, and I want to tell you, it's this idea of not in an unkind way, but showing us the reality of life, of, of chopping life down to size for us, right? Um, I think all of us have walked in on someone or, or heard someone or it's been quoted to us, somebody saying something bad about us, right? And, and that, that feeling of how dare them say anything wrong about me. And, and what's the reality? There's, there's far more wrong things about us that they didn't even know about that they would love to talk about if they knew, right? And, and, and there's stuff. There's stuff going on. And so he says, don't take it personal. Don't take it in. And he even connects it with some of our own gossiping, slandering ideas that we have said. He says, and you know, and I know that we have spoken ill of others, we have cursed others, that we have been the ones to, to trash talk others and not in their presence. And so it's not something that is unusual, uh, but don't take it personal. He goes on to, in verse 23 to really a, a different section, another thought. He, he spoke of the limits of wisdom and now he spoke of elusive wisdom. And uh, you think about this and... Uh, there's frustrating things in life that, that we want, that we want, that we can't get to. I don't know if it's a, a goal that we've set out there, something that we've said, I, I want to be this, and we've never been able to attain it. He describes this idea that of this in wisdom. Verse 23 says, all this I have tested by wisdom. I have said, I will be wise. I will be wise. That sounds like a resolved man, right? This will happen. Uh, th there's no uh, might happen, can happen, uh, hope to happen. This will happen. 
uh, as some would say, and they would make big claims, you know, uh, I'm going to die. This will ha- I'm going to die if I don't get this. I want to tell you that some of those big claims still never come to fruition. And as we look at this, he sees elusive the wisdom that he desires. He says, I will be wise. And he says, but it is far from me, far from me. Um, we try to encourage our, our, our children, don't we? And we say crazy things to them. You can do anything. You can do anything. You can be whatever you want to be. That's crazy. That's not true. Okay, dial that back. Okay, that's very important. I I know that sounds terrible in our world today, but don't tell your kids that. Don't, because it's not true. You're lying to them, okay? Uh, But for us, there's this idea that, that we think we can do anything, and uh, the writer of book of Ecclesiastes, he says, I will be wise. And, but it is far from me. <laughs> it's far from me. And then in verse 24, he describes a little bit of why it's elusive. He says, that which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it? There's a place and and it's the idea that it's beyond me, that, that my mind struggles to get my head around that which is true wisdom. And it blows the circuits. And those of you who have uh, studied and desired things like this and have a, had a thirst for it, you, you know that there are thoughts beyond you, right? That there are things that you don't understand. And even though you reach and you study and you push yourself, there's things beyond you. The writer says, this is true of wisdom. It's elusive to me. Uh, I want it desperately. I've even said that I will get it. Uh, And it's elusive. He goes on uh, to, in verse 25, to speak of his searching for wisdom. In verse 25, he he says, he turned his heart and searched and, and sought the scheme it says, I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek uh, wisdom and the scheme of things. That word scheme is an interesting word. He hasn't used it much, if, if at all, to this point. He's talked of wisdom. He's talked of understanding life. But now he says the scheme. And the idea of a scheme is the sum of, the sum of. Maybe in some of your translations it says that. But it's, uh, you know. I've had uh, four kids, and we do a lot of math in our household. I, I shouldn't say we, because I don't really participate. You know, uh, a lot of math books in our household, and a lot of math going on. And there's a couple of different uh, parts of it's understanding how a problem works. It's understanding. It's understanding. You know, uh, I always get confused in math. Why? Why? If it's math, why are there letters? You know. Uh, I don't get it, you know, anyways, but um, you, you look at these intricate problems and it's, it's one thing to be identified to say, I, I know what this, uh, this symbol means. I know what this number means. I know what this letter means. I, I understand it. And then to be able to say, well, how does this problem work? Well, yeah, you just do this, this and this. 
and you, you kind of understand how not just the pieces of the problem, but how this problem works, how you can come to a conclusion. But that word scheme is the answer, is the answer. It's the sum of it. It's to, to come to the end. It's to, to come to conclusion, the right answer. And this is what he uh, is seeking after. The steps of wisdom, the steps of, of knowledge, but then coming to that end, that scheme that comes together that he would understand the right answer. This is what he had turned his heart uh, that he might know. Both in wisdom, but also in foolishness. In verse 26, um, he says, and, and I find something more bitter than death. Uh, the woman whose heart it is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. Uh, sorry, ladies. Great Father's Day message, right? Men win today, finally. Uh, no. Uh, so, a uh, couple of things here. First of all, uh, it's very complicated to try to understand what he's referring to in this passage. There's probably two, uh, two legitimate things, and I think they both kind of come together. In the book of Proverbs, really the, the first section of Proverbs, it speaks of wisdom and foolishness, and it even describes um, foolishness and wisdom as being a woman, both a, a good woman or a bad woman, or a strange woman, the, the woman that will drive you away. And in this passage, he could just be speaking of wisdom and not just wisdom, but uh, bad wisdom, wisdom that will draw you away. Um, really, all of all the bad wisdom, all the wisdom that is from below. And he says, following the wisdom that is down from here will lead you to a bitter end, bitter end. Um, he also could be talking about a, a physical woman, a woman that is a dirty woman, a woman, once again, that speaks of in Proverbs, not, uh, not in figurative speech, but literally. She is a woman who would drag away, drag away a man out of where he needs to be to a wicked place where he would go. I want to tell you that um, whether it's actually a woman or it's a woman wisdom, uh, a woman who's referred to as wisdom, the end is still the same. The end is still the same. If you follow after sensuality in this life and if you are uh, drug away from what you are supposed to be as a man by someone who is evil, in the end it will be bitter for you. Be bitter. I want to tell you in our in our world today. Let me let me say something. Um, we quickly we quickly in our world today, um, we we look at celebrities and people who struggle in life, and we quickly would say, "Oh yeah, you know th there must be some other thing wrong with them," and we would will never look at the sins of their life, the past that they have lived, the things that are real that they struggle with. And, and I want to tell you that, that many times 
as we look at the end of our life or, or past some sins, uh, guess what happens? We become bitter. Why? Because of what has happened, because we ha- what, have, what we have done, because of the scars that are there. And I want to tell you, all of us have them. All of us. And that's why we need Jesus. This is why. You can't deal with the past without having a Savior that went to the cross for you. Men, uh, fathers here, uh, you know, have there been days you've been a bad father? Yes. Some of you some of you'd say, well, I, I know every one of them. No, you don't. There were some days that you forgot about that you were a bad father, right? And I just want to tell you, there's no way to deal with that apart from Jesus Christ being your Savior, the one who covers you. As we look at this, we realize that um, as he reflected on life, he realized that being wisdom or the sins of the past, he says it's more bitter than death to have to live with the regrets of following either the wrong wisdom or the wrong woman. I want to tell you, though, um, he puts he puts in the midst of struggling with wisdom, he puts a key, a key. Like, this is so important. Uh, if you've been sleeping, wake up, wake up. You say, how, how do you escape uh, the wisdom of this world? How do you escape the, the filth of this world? It's in the Scriptures. God's word says this. It says, he who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. There's a way of escape from the sins of this world. It's in pleasing God. It's in pleasing him. And I want to say that that's the positive way of saying what he already said, right? Fearing God. Pleasing God, fearing God. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And so, so for those of you who are here today and you, you're struggling with sin and you say, I can't get out of it. I, I've been struggling with this sin. I've been struggling with these thoughts and these things. These, you know, I come from a long line of sinners that do these things over and over again. Um, I always think it's interesting when, uh, you know, uh, we say, well, you know, I'm a stubborn jerk. Do you know why? I'm German. Like there's something in the DNA, you know, Uh, I want to say at some point that may have been true, but I've embraced it, right? I've embraced it. Uh, I've I've lived for almost half a century now and somehow I got to, you know, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Germany, okay? Uh, I want to tell you that these things, how do we escape the sins how, how, how do we escape the things that we've done over and over again? By making it our desire, humbly saying, I, I want to please God. This, this is my life. I want to please Him. I want to live for Him. I don't want to live for the, the pleasures that I seek out in myself. I don't want to try to please others. I want to please God. He goes on uh, to talk about his search and uh, in verse 27, he says, behold, uh, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding to one thing and to find out the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found one, uh, I have not found one man among a thousand I have found, but one woman among all these I have not found. 
This is a funny passage. Um, in his in his desire to seek and to find to find out the answers, he's not finding them. He's not finding them, and and he's looking for someone who understands wisdom. He's looking uh, to be that person, right? And and he says in all his searching, and remember, we believe this to be Solomon, a king of wisdom, a king of uh, of of means, but also a, a king who, who's been able to see the smartest people in the world and be able to search that out. He says, I, I've not found it. I've wanted to find the answer, the scheme of things, but I haven't found it. My soul has sought after it repeatedly, but I have not found it. And then he looks beyond himself and he says, one man among a thousand I've found. This idea that maybe... It's one in a thousand. As I've, as I've talked to all the, the wisest people around, all the wisest men around, he says, there's maybe one in a thousand. It's super rare. It's super rare. He says, maybe there's one, and it's not me. Okay? And then he says something that might bother you. He says, uh, but a, a woman among all these I have not found. And, and you think about this and you go, well, it's rare among men. It's rare. And he says, I've never found it among women. Never found it. And, and who, we who are we talking about here? Solomon, right? Most likely this is Solomon. And if you know anything about Solomon, he uh, had a wife of two, six, seven hundred. 300 girlfriends, maybe a few more. Who, who can count? You know, once you get to that place, who can count, right? And, and, and some of you, I want, I want to tell you, so, so as I'm studying through this, um, one of the words that I never use is misogynist. I never use that word uh, because it's overused. It's overused. And it's the word uh, that people are using today uh, to describe men who hate women. Men who hate women. And... I think, uh, I want to say this, that as Solomon looked upon this, he looked upon this, I think this brought some of his anger and his emptiness in relationships with women. You'd think that, uh, some would say Solomon had it all. I want to say that he had nothing. He had nothing when it came to relationships. He struggled. He struggled. We even looked to the book of Song of Solomon and the, the, the beauty of that, but but I don't believe that was a characteristic of his life. He struggled. Why? Because he thought that there was something else out there. And so as he looked and he found the emptiness of his own life, he said, well, there might be a man out there, but I've, you know, I've known women. I've known women. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. By the way, uh, I think that if a woman were speaking, she would say the complete opposite. And the emptiness and relationship of a woman thinking of many relationships over and over again, she'd say the complete opposite. Men don't know anything. By the way, there's a word for that as well. Misandrist. Look it up. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's the counterpart to misogynist. I'm going to bring that word up as much as I can. It's women who have a hatred for men. It's women who have a hatred for men. 
And I want to tell you, because of the limitations of wisdom and because of the sins that we struggle with, it's easy to get in this place to say, I hate men, I hate women. You know, they're all a mess. They're all, this isn't what God intended. But I want to tell you, there's an emptiness to that that would lead us to throw up our hands and say it's all bad. He concludes this section in verse 29 saying, uh, man has ruined it all. He says, see this alone, I have found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. The picture there is this, that uh, in creation, God has made mankind to be good. He has given them a, a beautiful spot. He has given them what they need to succeed. They were upright. But what has man done with that? Through their calculations and their desires of figuring things out, they messed it all up. They messed it all up. And this is the pursuit of wisdom. I have three lessons for fathers here today. You ready for them? If you're not a father, maybe it'll be a lesson for you too. But three lessons for fathers here today. The best that we can have down here uh, will still leave us wanting. Still leave us wanting. Uh, if your only goal down here is to live the good life and you seek for it with all you got, I want to tell you, you'll still be left wanting at the end of this life. Secondly, uh, second lesson for fathers here today is life is com confusing and impossible without the one who made the son, without the one who made the son. As I look at this passage and I go, he's talking about the best we can do and he's speaking of the frustration and the confusion of how does all this work together? And I want to tell you, we will be left frustrated and confused without the one who made the son without the one who knows. And lastly, a uh, practical tip, a practical uh, a characteristic, a discipline that we need to remember. Our escape from the sins and traps of this life is found in pleasing God. Found in pleasing God. I, I want to tell you, you're not stuck in Jesus. You're not stuck in Jesus. You, you may say, well, I, you know, I can't do this. You're right, you can't do this, but Jesus can Jesus can. And, and if we live a life seeking after him, pleasing the, our Heavenly Father, I want to tell you that's our escape to the sins of this life. Please jump with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. I want to say happy Father's Day. I want to say as a child speaks to their father, that I love being your child. I know that's my spot. God, help us to understand this relationship with you that we are supposed to be in a relationship where we are fearing and pleasing you. But this is our escape. This is our, our safety net. This is our place. God, help us to embrace that. God, I ask that you would give us victory uh, inside your son Jesus here today, that, that there are fathers here who are struggling and uh, that they might know uh, that there's, there's help, uh, help out of their mess that they have made. God, thank you for each one here this morning. Glorify yourself in your church, we pray in Jesus' name.
Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Father's Day to you. If you want to come for the baptism second service, we'd love to have you. You are dismissed.